So here we come with another one of our Books of the Year uh, legendary Q&A sessions. It's a really rigorous and tough and painful examination of some of the stories behind the best-selling authors in the world. How am I doing? You're doing very well. You made okay. it sound a little bit more dramatic than it actually is. I know, I'm actually yeah. scared now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and today it's Adele Parks. And if you'd like to hear Adele talking about lies, 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 if you look elsewhere uh, from wherever you get your podcast, you'll find precisely that because we've done a long chat about uh, her latest number one. Being a novelist on your 19th book, are you ahead of the curve? Can you see where a plot is going, where a character is moving? Most of the time I can. Yeah, I love a book that surprises me. Um, I remember a book by Joanne Harris, Gentlemen and Players, years ago. And I was sort of reading it going, yeah, 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 I know it's this. And then it wasn't. And I loved it. Mm. So I always talk about that and go, you didn't see it. I didn't see it coming. Yeah. But often, often I do because I also know the little things that we are in kind of in not encouraged by editors, just we self-encourage to to place in a novel to kind of say, oh, this might not be all it seems, whether that's a character or a sort of um, an action that you think, oh, that, that didn't quite add up, that must be leading somewhere. Do you have a favourite novelist, someone you'll always pick up? I have loads of favourite novelists. So I've got, um, I have a little list at the moment. I'm thinking um, Muriel Spark, Andrea Levy, Henry James, those I would always, you know, they're wow. old school. I would yeah. always, re I've read pretty much everything they've produced. But um, if Marion Keyes produces a new one, she's somebody I rush to, so contemporary um i can never say one favorite novelist that you know i have one child so that i never ask this question of which is my favorite <laughs> child because i just think you know novelists that there's so much talent out there new and mm. in the canon mm. uh, the book you would love to step inside of okay because i'm feeling a bit christmassy i want to go in a christmas carol Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol. But it's all a bit miserable. No, it's fine, because I've got two ideas. One, I could either go in and I get the experience of my Christmas past and um, present and future, uh -huh. which are going to be way better than Scrooge's because I'm a much nicer person. So, <laughs> okay. you know, even you say so yourself. Even if I say so myself. Well, come on, most of humanity... No champagne for you. And most of humanity is nicer than Scrooge. So either I get that, which would be... Awesome, like a little bit of time travel. Who doesn't want that? Or I do it with Scrooge, and that's fine because I know it's going to end okay for him. You know, he sorts himself out, so it's not too miserable. And I get to go to big Victorian parties. I see ghosts, which I don't really believe in, but that's why it would be interesting. And I just think right now that would be the time. I mean, if you'd asked me in June, I definitely wouldn't have said that. I would have said, like, the Gatsby party or something. But right now, that's where I go. The squalor and poverty of Dickensian London. Yeah, but Yay! some of it's good too. Okay. His There's past Christmas was good. He had a big party. Yeah. That. There's something really stickable about that story, isn't it? I, I would argue that the plot to that Dick Dickens novel is the only plot that most people know of Correct. Dickens. Because yes. if you ask them what's a plot to Nicholas Nickleby or even Oliver Twist, most people will go, well, I know Oliver Twist is an orphan and can I have some more... That's yeah. it. That's it. But yeah. everyone, everyone knows the plot to they do. Christmas Carol. We've seen a lot. Of, we saw the Muppet version, even. Yes, yeah, well, think, which is great. I think I it is great, exactly. Great. But I think that's it. It's part of our. It's very much part of our culture. How long? Be honest on this. Always be honest with this mm -hmm. answer. How long do you give a book, or do you always finish it? I do not always finish it. Good for you. Correct My life answer. is too short, and um, I used to like uni and things. I studied English, and you kind of had to. And I was quite swatty, and always ploughed on, thinking, oh. It'll, 
you know, it'll help itself, but it doesn't. Um, so I give it as long as it takes, actually. I think but I But if could... it's not working after, you know... Ten pages, I would ditch it. Certainly, oh, yeah, no, I think... You. Ten I think pages! Work hard for my time. Yeah, yeah no, right, come on. Right. Yeah, I, would, yeah. I would equally expect to be ditched after ten pages if I hadn't entertained people. Yeah, do you so when you're writing? Do you sort of get to that ten page mark and go, "Have I got them? Have I got them yet?" I hope I've got them by paragraph one. Mm. Yeah, I feel yeah, like that's my sent- job. You need a good opening you sentence. You do. You absolutely do, Simon. And I mean, that is the job. And if you haven't done it, and I tell you, I won't mention which one, but I was judging a very posh award once, and um, I was sent seventy books. And at first, I struggled through them, thinking, "Oh, I bet it retrieves itself," because the publisher must have believed in it to enter it for this award. And they never did retrieve themselves. You knew from the beginning if it was going to be on your shortlist or not. Mm. And so. you're the, the first... Do you want to just read the first oh, line gosh, of your I book? Hope my, I hope my line's going to be good. Better be good. So the first line just of lies, lies, line. lies. Simon was six years old when he first tasted beer. There you go. That's not bad. Uh, that is, Thank you. Not bad. I'm thinking, yes. OK. Because right. yeah, you immediately think, why? Trouble and that's here. wrong mm. and trouble here. Exactly. Mm. Uh, describe Phew. your book collection. <laughs> um, very fiction-heavy. I'm quite uh, light on non-fiction. Any non-fiction I have is usually bought specifically for research of my own novels. So if I'm doing um, an Alzheimer's uh, theme or something, I might buy a non-fiction book about Alzheimer's or <laughs> a rock star. I read a lot of rock star biographies at one really? point. Really? Really? Yeah. Which ones? Oh, I can't remember now, but I will. Um, <coughs> I can remember the people. I remember reading about Robbie Williams, o- Oasis, um yeah, it was all that kind of era because it was a book called Love Lies about a girl who marries a rock star. Okay. It was okay. like a romantic comedy, yeah, a very yeah, different thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so fiction heavy and female heavy, if I'm honest. Um, I didn't realise this till I looked at my shelves to answer this question for you. And I thought, gosh, there's sort of a prejudice that I probably should address. That's, uh, it's not exclusively female, but I think I'm female heavy. I like books about relationships and people. Okay. You know, whether that's a sci-fi relationship or a, you know, um, domestic noir or a psychological thriller or a full-on romance, I like the relationship to matter. Now, I've always been surprised by the number of authors that we get on who say that they weren't read to as children. But are there any books that stand out from your childhood? I was read to a lot, and we lived in libraries. And, um, yeah, so... (laughs) So I love Dina Blyton, as everybody does. Yeah. But I think I've got a bit of a wild card here because I like the naughtiest girl in the school. Everyone always looks at me going, does that hey. even exist? No, I don't know that. So it did really exist, the naughtiest girl at school. And so, you know, I was a really good girl at school, but I would have loved to be naughty. So I think I read it as an alter ego. And the poor girl wasn't even that naughty. She was a bit scruffy and a bit untidy and a bit clumsy and got herself into trouble, well-meaning, intention, you know, well-intentioned yeah. and got herself into trouble. But there were three. There's sort of the naughtiest girl at school, the naughtiest girl again, and then I can't remember. I think it's like, what happens to the naughtiest girl? Um, but I think I ached to be the naughtiest girl and I just wasn't. It's not in me. Who wrote, was, and who wrote that? That's Enid Blyton. Oh, that's she wrote that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, she wrote everything really, didn't she? You know, yeah, you go, yeah. naughty, who wrote that? Oh, that's Enid yeah, Blyton. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. The, and normally, you know, I read all the Magic Wishing Chair and The Faraway Tree and I loved all those go off and have an adventure and be taken out of your world. I think that, <laughs> I mean, I had, you know, a fine childhood. It was all right. But I was a plump, swatty kid 
in the northeast of England who didn't play any sport. It's not the best start. It's not the worst. It's just <laughs> just pretty ordinary, really. Did you ever read Torchy the Battery Boy? No. There you go. No. Should no, I have? No. Made up. It was That's not right. we already established. It doesn't sound made up. real. It doesn't sound like Enid Blyton. No. no. But Torchy the Battery Boy that was life-changing. Okay. Now, your your, your favourite autobiography or uh, biography? Okay, so I don't read many autobiographies or biographies. Um, I think I've got two that are wildly different. Um, the first, I would say, was The Testament of Youth, um, uh, which I remember reading when I did my historical novels and finding extraordinary and just uh, uh, so brave. And then completely different, Face It!, by Debbie Harry, which I've just recently oh, read. Oh, yeah. And I found it, I thought it was brilliant. It was brutal. Um, it was like, you know, it's about that sort of lawless, druggy era that we all think is fascinating and exciting and probably sexier than it actually was. And um, Debbie Harry was there being a provocative, outspoken woman who was finding her own way in a very complex world. Um, and I think she's brave and a survivor, and it was a, a vivid portrait of a really bohemian time. I enjoyed it. I, w I would make the argument that uh, within autobiographies, there's two genres that I would always, if in doubt, always pick up, are rock stars and sports stars. Okay. And the reason, because uh, sports stars... You have to be. It's only going to work if you're going to be honest. So, like, so the book that I've, I know, having spoken to sort of ghost writers, that they give to um, a sports star when they say, "Right, we're going to write an autobiography." The one they always give them is Andre Agassi's "Open." I know you've interviewed ah, Andre. It's about a great it. book. It's, it is superb. It is the gold standard for sports autobiographies. But. Uh, I don't think that applies as well to, say, politicians um, or for their autobiographies. Or, no. Yeah, I, I, that's, I think, why I don't read them, because I think they are a bit of fiction, to be honest. Mm. You might as well just read my fiction. Yeah. Um, and I know I would heavily censor any memoir I wrote. I would, definitely, yeah. I would yeah. not tell the truth at all, just fessing that up straight <laughs> away. So, um, yeah, so nobody's going to bother offering me that contract, <laughs> are they? But uh, I know I would, because there would be people I wanted to protect and there would be things I've done that I'm embarrassed by and the things that I would make myself look better than I am, um, you know, because that's what we all do. So I don't really trust many autobiographies. When was the last time you used a public library? Oh, I really felt embarrassed when I worked this out four years ago okay that's, that's not bad good. it's yeah. not yeah. bad yeah. um i go in public libraries uh, much more often than that because um i work with the national literacy trust and the reading agency which are um the uk's two biggest reading charities and um they both have programs with public libraries so i'll go and like talk to people about the importance of libraries i think i don't go because i'm in a very spoilt position where i get given a lot of free books. I mean, literally today, two arrived through the post, you know, so I don't need it and I would be clogging up the system if I went and ordered a book. But I actually do get very excited uh, when people tell me they've ordered books from the library and it's my book. And I talk at libraries all the time. I was at, I was at one last week. Is there a hidden gem of a place where you do lots of research? Other than the internet. <laughs> Not hidden. Um, I did the Victorian Albert Museum. I love it there. So you're like looking at me going, how does that so relate did, did, to your work? Yeah, but but is this you going there and doing your research because it's at the V&A or is this you going there because it's a nice place to do a, research? A bit of both. So I, so when I did my historical novels, I literally went there to research things like clothes and costumes and weapons and that sort of thing. Um, 
that's not relevant in Lies, Lies, Lies. But because it is nearly all my books tend to be set in London or surrounding area, it's quite easy to get your characters into uh, uh, that type of venue and it's actually a very peace often museums or galleries are very peaceful places to sit and observe and and to listen and to write so um so that's good but for genuine nuts and bolts how does alcoholism affect people that's going to be literally sitting down with an individual or being online so v is, is just an indulgence is, is there a pretty... book you'd always go to to cheer you up it would be a Jane Austen. Oh, yeah. Okay. God love her. Yeah. Because she cheers us all up. Because everything's just going to work out yeah, fine. Yeah, of course it is. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Um, and actually, I would probably not do Pride and Prejudice because I think I know it so well. Um, so I would do sort of Mansfield Park or Emma. Emma. I love Emma. Yeah, Emma's yeah, so yeah, feisty, yeah, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, we yeah, love yeah, Emma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's so wrong in so many ways. I would love Emma's ending just to be like, no, I didn't marry anyway. I just thought, <laughs> no, yeah. I'm stinking rich. I don't need any of them. <laughs> I would quite like that to be the ending. But of course, that is not a Jane Austen ending. Um, but I think, yeah, that's where I would turn. Which writer, if any, should we follow on Twitter? Okay, well... Um, I follow you on Twitter. I follow you. And I thought you had an interesting exchange, I think it was yesterday, when someone had read your book and enjoyed it and had described the relationship with the book as a dance, that she felt as though she danced with you oh. as a result of the uh, reading this story, which I thought was a very interesting way of, of doing which it. Anyway, lovely. But apart from yourself. Um, well, you are funny on Twitter, so, you know, that's not bad, but I've seen your numbers. You've got loads of people following you. You don't need the plug. But However. I was thinking... Um, I would go Jenny Colgan. She, she was, is good. She is good. She was one of the very first people I followed. I mean, she's also a friend of mine, but she was one of the first people I followed. And I love her because she, I'm just nice on Twitter, okay? Only come to me if you want nice. That's all I give. Um, I keep anything else for my husband. Um, but Jenny is... It's amazing he doesn't drink. Uh, yeah, really? it is. It is. Yeah. I was going to suggest all sorts of other things he does to keep in control, but anyway, I won't. Yeah. Uh, Jenny is... Um, so Jenny is also lovely on Twitter, but she has... The, the, she's more daring. She has a little bit of a... She allows herself to have a little bit of a... Not a bite even, just a sort of snip. And she's very humorous and I love it. And one, she used to live in France and I remember there was this period of our lives where she would post about a minute before I would go online because I always caught all her tweets and I loved it and and now we must be sort of slightly out of sync and I have to go and actually look up what's Jenny talking about but I will do that because she amuses me a lot Adele thank you very much thank you so much Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.